this lesson is not to be considered as an example of Islamophobia. It's an attempt to expose some of the teachings of the religion of, of Islam for what they are, especially Islamic teachings that contradict or otherwise undermine, deny, or reject the teachings of the Bible. Individual Muslims should be loved, should be prayed for, should be encouraged to believe the truth about Jesus Christ and come to know Jesus as more than a prophet. I could probably ask you if any of you have a friend or relative that is a Muslim and some of you may say yes. I would like to think that I have some friends that are Muslims that I met in Israel a few years ago. I still pray for them. I still think about conversations I had with them. Uh, we would have Bible studies at night in our dorm and we would discuss Jesus. We would discuss the Bible, the Quran, and what differences uh, there were between us in our beliefs. And uh, I remember one night I asked a fellow, I said, uh, he said, you want me to believe that Jesus is God? And I said, I want you to believe the Bible. Is that not what, what the Bible is saying here? Yes. And he said, I cannot. And I said, why can you not believe that? And he said, because it is not what the Quran says. So I say that to let you know that the Quran is the book for Muslims. They say they believe the Bible and they get a lot of their information from the Bible. But if the Bible is contradictory to the Quran, the Bible has been corrupted. That's how they look at it. So that's some interesting information, I think. There is a spiritual battle taking place in this world. It, it primarily and ultimately comes down to a battle between God and Satan. And if you don't believe there's a God, you're wrong. And if you don't believe there's a Satan, you're wrong. There is a battle that's going on in this world between the two. And this battle has been raging since the beginning. We only have one source of truth. How are we going to know whose side we should be on? How are we going to know who's telling us the truth? We have one source, and that's the Bible. We must examine every teaching of any organization or religion under the microscope of God's Word, the Bible. Any other document or book used to find or establish truth is unfounded and deceptive. The final authority must remain the Bible or we will find ourselves on the rough waves of the ocean of religion without a true compass and may very well shipwreck our lives into a Christless eternity. And my friend, that is dangerous. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this. The only way you will have a good future and a happy eternity is if you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. That's it. You say, well, that's what the Baptists think. Well, Baptists think that, but it's, that's Baptists don't, it's not a Baptist way to heaven and a, a Muslim way to heaven or any other religion way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. 
Jesus Christ said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And he was either a liar or he told the truth. So I have staked my eternity on the fact that Jesus is who he said he was. He did what he, the Bible says he did. He died on the cross, rose from the dead. And that is why I'm worth anything is because of Jesus Christ. It's nothing in us. We'll talk more about some of those things later. Definitions. These definitions, uh, if you were here, what, two or three years ago when I taught this, some of these you have already. But it's never a bad thing to be reminded about a few things that uh, you've heard before. Islam is the name for the religion of Muhammad. The word Islam is the infinitive of the Arabic verb, which means to submit. Islam also means peace. So Islam is the religion of submission to the will of Allah. It could also be called the religion of peace. Sometimes we hear that even on the media. They'll talk about Islam as the religion of peace. The word Muslim, number two, the term for one who follows the religion of Islam. The word Muslim is the present participle form of the verb Islam. So a Muslim is one who submits to the will of Allah. That's the idea, submission, one who submits. A little interesting thing about Islam, Muslim, you can kind of see those words are similar. When you put an M on the front of Islam, so to speak, that turns it into a participle. Same thing happens in Hebrew. So it's kind of neat to me uh, that, that, that that happens to that word. So Islam, Muslim. Number three, Muhammad, the founder of the religion known as Islam. Number four, Allah is the Arabic name for God. And I might mention, uh, you may hear me say, uh, we don't believe in Allah or Allah is not the true God, or I may say something like that. But we also, I need to, to say this, the word Allah, if you are an Arab, for example, that's your word for God. So even if you were a Baptist Arab, you would probably say Allah when you're talking about God. So just that word it, 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 it's kind of interesting to talk about. We got, you got to know what you're talking about. Are we talking about the God of Islam or are we talking about the God of the Bible or any other God? So just the word Allah is a name for God. P-B-U-H is, uh, it stands for peace be upon him, said after the mention of a prophet. I was listening to a... Uh, uh, an Islamic uh, imam, I think he was, uh, preaching a sermon the other day online. I found one uh, trying to get a little more information. And he was explaining to his Muslim congregation that he was actually more Christian than Christians themselves, even though he was a Muslim. And the reason was is because he had a high standard, a, a high viewpoint of Jesus Christ. He was... He, he, he believed what Jesus said, all these things. Of course, he didn't get into some things that really make a difference. But he had a high standard for Jesus. And he, he was very much telling his people how much he loved Jesus. And he, he was probably more of a Christian than Christians are. I thought that was a strange twist to how he was preaching to them. So very interesting how they do it. But every time he would say Jesus... He would say, peace be upon him. So if you ever listen to uh, a Muslim speak in English or something like that, he mentions a prophet like Jesus, 
that Jesus is their, a prophet for them, or Adam, or Moses, or Abraham, they will always say, peace be upon him. Mecca, the birthplace of Muhammad, the center of religion, most holy city in Islam. Medina, number seven, second most holy city of Islam, a site where Muhammad fled. Jerusalem is the third most holy city of Islam. Shahada is the declaration of creed. And you've probably heard this, that there is only one God, one Allah, and that Muhammad is the messenger of God. That's called the Shahada. Salat is prayer. Prayer must be performed five times a day. Uh, if you are a Muslim, at dawn, fars, noon, zur, afternoon, asr, sunset, maghrib, and late night, isha. Each prayer is called salat. Psalm, or fasting, is the total abstinence of food and liquids. You've heard of Ramadan, and uh, that's when they fast. A lot of times people think they fast for a whole month. They do not. They fast during the day for a whole month. They can eat all they want at night. And I even had a friend in Israel tell me, who was a Muslim, uh, when he was talking to me about uh, Ramadan, he said, he said, oh, it's the, it the most miserable month of my life. And I said, really? I said, Did, you fasted the whole month? You went 30 days without eating? He said, oh, no. I said, oh, you did? And I thought that's what y'all did. And he said, no, no. He said, we don't, we don't eat during the day. And he said, actually, <laughs> I gained weight during Ramadan because he could eat at night. And so he would just eat and eat and eat at night and then fast during the day. And that was tough, he said. Zakat, number 12, the purifying tax. It's also called almsgiving in uh, Islam. It's an annual payment of a certain percentage of a Muslim's property which is given to the poor or other deserving people. And then 13 is Hajj or the pilgrimage, once in a lifetime requirement to go to Mecca. And SWT, if I can say it correctly, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, or glory be to Allah, or he is the high. Now, that's just some things you, if you study some Islamic things, you'll run into and a good thing to know. But how is Islam dangerous? That's really what we're here for tonight, to discover how is Islam dangerous? How could the religion of peace be dangerous at all, right? I mean, if everybody was Muslim, just think how great the world would be, right? That's how uh, an Islamic person or a Muslim would consider this. So the title of the lesson uh, makes an assumption, really. It assumes a danger or dangers and leads us to the obvious question. Is Islam dangerous? And if so, how so, if it is? Will we, uh, we're going to attempt to answer these questions from three different viewpoints. We will look at Islam from a theological angle, that is from a spiritual or biblical viewpoint. We will also briefly uh, look at it from a political angle and also a physical angle. These angles or viewpoints uh, may overlap in our discussion and of this topic, but we will try to maintain a distinction as we go. So first let's tackle this theological angle. I think that's the most important uh, danger in the, in the religion of Islam. So I have 
chosen some things, and I'm certainly not going to be exhaustive tonight of all the things we could say about Islam that we may not agree with or think are dangerous. But number one, Islam denies the deity of Jesus Christ, yet they say they believe in Jesus. So when you talk to a Muslim, and I've written here on, the, on your sheet, be aware that if your Muslim friend tells you that he believes in Jesus too, he does not mean what you think you are hearing. I know that because a friend of mine in Israel assured me that he believed in Jesus too. He asked me when we got there, he said, so you're a Christian? And I said, yes. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anybody in America's ever asked me if I'm a Christian. I said, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, are you? I knew he probably wasn't, but I just, are you? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a Muslim. I said, oh, okay. And he said, so you believe in Jesus? And I said, yes, yes, I do. And he said, I too believe in Jesus. And he shook my hand. Like, hey, we're brothers. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. He's a Muslim. He believes in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. What's the big deal, right? So I asked him, I said, well, what do you believe about Jesus? Oh, he's a good man, good man, good prophet. Oh, yes. We Muslims, we, we believe in Jesus. And I said, oh, well, I believe Jesus was God in the flesh. And he, he looked at me like I was about to die. Because he said, oh, no, no, no. No, God cannot be a man. God cannot be a man. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, even some Jews will say, uh, many Jews will say that God cannot be a man. They get that from Numbers 23, 19 which says, God is not a man. Wow, they've got the scripture right there. Are, we, are the Christians wrong? Because there's a scripture, Numbers 23, 19, that says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. And many Jews even will use that to say that Jesus cannot be God because God is not a man. But what they miss is that God became a man. He did become a man, but he doesn't lie like a man. He doesn't uh, repent like a man needs to. He doesn't have a sin nature, but God did become a man. The Bible's very clear about that. Look at number two. Islam denies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. A lot of people who have friends who are Muslims who who uh, study Islam even, some people don't even know that. Because I have told many, many people, I said, did you know Muslims do not believe Jesus died on the cross? They're like, what? You, know, you thought, maybe he died on the cross, but I didn't think he was God or, say, or you know, the Savior or something like that. But no, they do not believe he died on the cross, was buried or rose from the dead. Now, folks, that's dangerous. That, is go, that goes against everything we believe about Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the message of Jesus. Here's what the Koran says. Just so you don't think I'm making this up. The Koran says, 
talking about Jesus, they slew him not, nor crucified, but it appeared so unto them. They slew him not for certain, but Allah took him up unto himself. That's in Surah 4, 157-58. Surah is just a chapter. That's like saying chapter 4 in the Quran. So we have what Islam teaches from the Quran itself that says Jesus did not die. They thought he did. It appeared so, but he really didn't die. Now, if you look at the B part there, a quote uh, from Thinking Biblically about Islam by Colin Chapman, he said, if we try to probe behind this proof text, the logic of the denial of the crucifixion would seem to be that God cannot allow his representative on earth to be humiliated in this way. He must surely intervene to save him from such a terrible fate and vindicate him in the eyes of men. In other words, what he's saying is that if you, if you wonder why do Muslims want to insist Jesus did not die on the cross, it's because they don't believe God would treat one of his prophets that way. But I want to ask you, as the apostles did, which of the prophets did they not persecute? All of them were persecuted. All of Many of them uh, died a martyr's death, right? So, Quran and the Bible are very contradictory on that issue. Look at 2C. Another quote. The Muslim cannot deny that many of the Jews wanted and intended to have Jesus crucified or that Jesus himself was willing to be crucified. So if you tell your friend, Jesus, he didn't even die. He was willing to die for your sin. He's going to say, well, he, he didn't have to die for my sin, but he didn't have to die. God spared him. Have they not told you the truth in Christianity? Jesus did not die. And if you say, well, yes, he died and rose again, and, and, and he ascended back to the Father, he will say, yes, he ascended back to the Father, but he did not die or rise from the dead. He did ascend. God took him up. I asked my Muslim friend one time, I said, well, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, who did? And he said, Judas. The difference lies in our thinking about the way in which God would be expected to act on behalf of his servant and prophet. The Muslim says that God must vindicate Jesus by saving him from this ultimate humiliation. The Christian says that God must allow Jesus to suffer the worst that men can do to him and vindicate him only on the other side of death, end quote. Can you think of a scripture that would teach us that God wanted Jesus to die? How about Isaiah 53? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God wanted Jesus to die. But the Muslims say God would not want his prophet to die. And that's exactly, you say, well, 
if they believe the Bible too, they can read Isaiah 53. Why can't, why can't they see that? Because if it contradicts the Quran, what is it? A corrupted text. The Jews have corrupted the text if it's not what the Quran says. Number three, Islam serves a different God than the God of the Bible. Islam denies the Trinity, that is that God is three in one. Uh, we believe the Bible teaches that very clearly. God is one. He's also manifest or is, has three personalities. And uh, Brother Matt didn't tell me to explain the Trinity, so I'll leave that to him. But God is three in one, right? He is one God. But Muslims believe you are an idolater because you believe in three gods. That's how they look at it. You believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I tried to explain to a Muslim uh, in Israel that, that it's confusing, but there's only one God. And he said, you believe three gods, admit it. I, no, I, I won't admit it because I don't. God is one. And he's, they don't even, I said, what's the word for Trinity in Arabic? And he said, there is no word for Trinity in Arabic. So they don't even have a word for it. But they deny the Trinity. Islam teaches that God cannot have a son nor become a man. You might write on your sheet John 1.14. God became a man. He took upon himself flesh. You say, well, it's impossible. It's impossible for God to become a man. And I would remind you, with God, all things are possible. Could God become a man if he wanted to come redeem us? If you say no, I say you have a small God. Because the God of the Bible is big enough to become a man, take upon flesh, and die a death we deserve so that he could redeem us. And that's what happened. Islam teaches that God cannot be known. John 17, 3. Jesus was praying. And Jesus, if you look at John 17, 3, eternal life is to know God and to know the one who sent him. That is eternal life. The God of Islam cannot be known. Muslims don't even attempt to know God. They fear him. They obey him. They try to do what they think is the thing they should do. But you can't know God. The Bible says you can. Matter of fact, I know you can because I know God. I have eternal life. I know Jesus Christ. Here's a quote from the Koran. People of the book, commit no excesses in your religion, nor say of God, Allah, aught but the truth. Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than a messenger, peace be upon him, of God, Allah, and his word which he bestowed upon Mary and a spirit proceeding from him. So believe in God, Allah, and his messengers, peace be upon them, Say not Trinity. Desist. 
it will be better for you. For God, Allah, is one God, one Allah. Glory be to him. Far exalted is he above having a son. You get that? God didn't become a man in Islam. God can't become a man in Islam. And God cannot even have a son in Islam. That is totally different than what the Bible presents God to be. Completely different. Number four, Islam has a different book than the Bible for its core beliefs. They, as we've mentioned, they believe and follow the Quran. The word Quran just simply means reading. Islam claims a belief in the Bible except where the text is corrupt. Anything in the Bible that contradicts the teachings of the Quran is corrupt. I don't know how many times I had my Muslim friends tell me that that's a corrupted text. Anytime it's like you're either going to have to deny that you're not going to believe what the Bible says or you're just going to have to say something's wrong with it. And they'd always say there's something wrong with that. What's wrong with it? I don't know, but it's a corrupted text. How do you know it's a corrupted text? How do you know that? And he said, because it is not what the Quran says. So their final authority is the Quran not what the Bible says. There are 114 surahs or chapters in the Quran. It's not as long as the New Testament. Wouldn't take too long to read it if you wanted to. Number five, Islam denies the biblical teaching concerning sin. Islam does not teach Adam's sin as affecting the whole human race. We believe what the Bible says, that Adam's fall plunged the whole world into sin, right? For by one man death entered, okay? The, the, the sin came. We understand what happened in the garden. They ate of the forbidden fruit, and all men became sinners. We have a nature. We have a sin nature. Muslims will say, no, we don't. Adam's sin only affected Adam. We can do things wrong, but we do not have a nature to sin. They don't see sin like we do. Sins, they could commit sins. You just ask God to forgive you. you say, He's okay with it. Doesn't require blood sacrifice. Doesn't require anything, but just, just admit to God you're wrong. I'm sorry. And you're okay. But as far as having a nature... A sin nature, you repent and, all, and need a savior, you need bloodshed for you. No, no, they don't believe in any of that. Islam does not teach the need for atonement of a sin nature. You say, well, Brother Mark, they don't, they don't believe anything the Bible says, do they? Uh, not much if it's not in the Quran. So let's switch gears for just a moment and talk about the political angle. That, that's enough danger to me, what we've already seen. Uh, if you want to know what your Muslim neighbor might believe, that's what they believe. They're, it's not like, oh, we believe Jesus too. No, you don't. Not, not like the Bible presents him. Political. Political angle. I suppose this is where a Baptist preacher could really step off into some 
deep water, right? If I start talking politically, because I try not to do that. But number one, Islam desires the annihilation of the nation of Israel. How does Islam affect this world? They want to get rid of Israel. You say, well, aren't we thankful that'll never happen? Well, yes, we know what the Bible says, but guess what? It doesn't mean Israel might not suffer. Have you been reading uh, the news or watching the news lately and what's happened from Gaza and all of that still happening? Uh, they're still uh, fighting over there even today. But Islam desires to control of the world. Scratch out that one of. I have a few typos, I guess. But Islam desires to control the world. That's their desire. They, they want Islam to be the, the religion of every nation in the world. You say, well, not in America. Yes, they do. My friend told me that he hated Osama bin Laden. And he was a Muslim. And I said, he, he, you're a Muslim, he's a Muslim, you hate him? He said, yes, I hate him. Why do you hate him? He said, I hate him because, now what would you think? That was 911. What would you, why would, why would a Muslim hate Osama bin Laden after 911? I would think because all the innocent people that died, right? Or he was a murderer or something like that. No, no. I hate him because his family lives in America and they are millionaires and what he has done has made it difficult for people like me to come to America. Muslims can't come easily to America anymore. I asked him why he wanted to come to America. He said, oh, you have freedom. I want freedom. And I want to practice my religion there. And America will become Muslim one day. And I said, you think so? And he said, oh, yes. He said, well, it may take 50 years. But Muslims are patient. America will be Muslim. We don't see any of that happening, do we? Islam is gaining adherence in governmental positions. I was told that back in 2004. It's 2021 now. There are now four Muslims that have been elected to the House of Representatives in the USA. Keith Ellison of Minnesota served from January 2007 to January 2019. Andre Carson of Indiana served from March 2008 to the present. Ilhan Omar of Minnesota served from January 2019 to the present. And Rashida Tlaib of Michigan served from January 2019 to the present. No Muslim has been elected to the U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate currently has 10 Jewish senators and 27 Jewish members of the House. Number four, it makes the Jew people mad. Some of you may remember this story uh, told one time, but when a Muslim friend said in 04, he gave me a copy of the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of Christ. It had just come out, and, and uh, he gave that to me. And uh, I asked him, I said, uh, Muhammad, his name was Muhammad. I said, Muhammad, what is this? He had Arabic written on it. He said, it's the, it's the Passion of Christ. You're a Christian. I thought you'd like to see it. Well, I haven't seen it, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that. And I thought, well, at least I got a souvenir, right? 
And I said, Muhammad, I've got to ask you a question. Anything, Mark, anything. And I said, you're a Muslim, right? Yes. But you don't believe Jesus died on the cross, do you? And he said, no. And I said, but this movie you just gave me pictures, doesn't it depict Jesus dying on the cross? And he said, yes. I'm confused. Why, if you don't believe that happened, why would you give me a copy of a movie that shows Jesus dying on the cross? And his answer was, <laughs> because it makes the Jew people mad. To him, it didn't matter if it was true or not. It makes Jews mad. Think about that. Think about your mindset when that's how you feel. He said he gave the movie to all his friends because it made the Jew people mad. The fight in the Middle East is not about land. It is about religion. If you doubt that, wake up. It's about religion. The recent bombings in Israel from Gaza resulted from a desire to annihilate the Jewish people, not simply to control the land. The teachings of Islam divides the world into two parts. You have the house of Islam, you have the house of war. The goal of Islam is to dominate the world and the house of Islam must conquer the house of war. Conquer? Conquer. Physical angle. This is uh, some information that I got from uh, Pocket Guide to World Religions by Winfred Cordian, Cordwin, something like that. But uh, he had a little section I thought was interesting, so I thought I'd put it in here. It's called In the Spotlight Jihad. You heard of Jihad, the Holy War, and here's what he says about that. Sometimes it's called the sixth pillar of Islam. It literally means struggle. Greater jihad, the inner struggle of each person to submit to Allah. In other words, every Muslim has their own personal jihad going on. Their, their struggle to submit to God, to do the right thing, to live like they're supposed to live, to be good people, to be what they ought to be. And so they, they call that the greater jihad. The lesser Jihad is the outward struggle to defend the Islamic community. The Quran forbids anyone, uh, anyone's conversion by force. Physical warfare is legitimate in defense against aggression in order to protect an oppressed Muslim minority or to reclaim what was once Islamic territory. And from what I have read through the years, it is Islamic territory if there is a mosque there. Get online and see where all there are mosques in America. It's their country to them. They own it. 
and they will. That's what they want to do. That's, that's the struggle because they are attempting to reclaim what was once Islamic territory. Have you ever heard the expression Allahu Akbar? Since 911, we have become very familiar with that, haven't we? It means God is great or God is greatest. It's repeated before terrorist activities. And it usually when we hear that, it makes us cringe because many times someone's about to die. Something bad is about to happen. But let's get back to something I think is even more dangerous. The great question, who is Jesus? I think that is the great question of all time. And I love this quote that I found uh, thinking biblically about Islam. If the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if the synoptic gospels, therefore, can guide us in our approach to many of the particular areas of disagreement between Christians and Muslims, the gospel of John reminds us that ultimately all our discussion with Muslims must center on the one question, who is Jesus, son of Mary? By the way, I'll interrupt the quote to say this. Muslims have no problem if you try to teach them about the virgin birth of Christ. They believe that. You say they believe the virgin birth of Christ and they don't believe he's God? That's right. He was a prophet. God can do that if he wants to. They don't have a problem with the virgin birth of Christ. They do have a problem with Jesus being God or God becoming a man. Back to the quote, what is the real relationship between the prophet Jesus and the God who sent him? Even if we know how to deal with every individual question, it may take a lifetime to learn how to speak with Muslims in anything like the terms of John's gospel. This kind of controversy is not for beginners. You gotta be careful. No, this is why I think it's so very important for us to know what we believe. And I'm going to say it. I think sometimes churches, I use that word rather loosely, okay? But sometimes I think churches are so worried about entertaining their young people and making everybody feel good that we've quit teaching what the Bible says. And when we quit teaching people what the Bible says, there's a billion plus people out there willing to teach them that Jesus is not God and he did not die on the cross and he did not rise from the dead. And we sit back and go, ah, that's way over there. It may be in your next door. It may be at your next door. Contrasting Islam with Christianity, pretty simple. <laughs> two different gods, two different books, two different viewpoints of sin, two different kingdoms, two different beliefs about Jesus, two different ways of thinking. John 18.36 says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. 
Would you say Jesus was pretty clear that his kingdom was not of this world? He wasn't here to conquer the world at that time. He was not here to uh, fight against the Jews. But look at this next quote. Muhammad would not have accepted this distinction between the different kinds of kingdom. And once he had concluded that the kingdom he was concerned about did belong to this world, it was an inevitable corollary that his followers would fight to protect him and to extend his authority. Even Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, we'd fight. Muhammad, he fights because his kingdom is of this world. That's different from Jesus. Is Islam a religion of peace or is it a religion of violence? These are some Quranic verses we'll look at quickly that were quoted by Salib, which are used to support the Islamic violence. Quotes from the Quran. Fight in the cause of Allah those who fight you and slay them wherever you catch them and fight them on until there is no more tumult or oppression and there prevail justice and faith in Allah. Surah 2, 190 through 193. Fighting is prescribed upon you and you dislike it, but it is possible that you dislike a thing which is good for you and that you love a thing which is bad for you. But Allah knows and you know not. Surah 2, 216. And if you are slain or die in the way of Allah, forgiveness and mercy from Allah are far better than all they could amass. And if you die or are slain, lo, it is unto Allah that you are brought together. Surah 3, 157, 158. Think not of those who are slain in Allah's way as dead. Nay, they live, finding their sustenance in the presence of their Lord. Surah 1, uh, 3, 169. Those who have fought or been slain, verily I will blot out from them their iniquities and admit them into gardens with rivers flowing beneath a reward from the presence of Allah. Surah 3, 195. For the unbelievers are unto you open enemies. Surah 4, 101. They but wish that you should reject faith as they do and thus be on the same footing as they. So take not... Look at that. So take not friends from their ranks until they flee in the way of Allah. But if they turn renegades, seize them and slay them wherever you find them. Surah 489. Fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war. Surah 95. Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor acknowledge the religion of truth from among the people of the book, Jews and Christians, Surah 929. People of the book are Jews or Christians, okay? So when they talk about, oh yeah, we're friends with the people of the book. They don't like people of the book. They're talking about people who believe the Bible. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive with might and main for mischief through the land is execution or crucifixion or the cutting off of hands and feet from opposite sides 
or exile from the land that is their disgrace in this world. And a heavy punishment is theirs in the hereafter. Surah 5.33, smite you above their necks and smite all their fingertips off them. This because they contend against Allah and his messenger. If any contend against Allah and his messenger, Allah is strict in punishment. Surah 8, 12 through 13. Therefore, when you meet unbelievers in fight, smite at their necks. At length, when you have thoroughly subdued them, bind the bond firmly on them. Surah 47, 4. Fight them, and Allah will punish them by your hands. Cover them with shame. Surah 9, 14. This is one of the verses that Osama bin Laden quoted in the videotape that the U.S. Army found in Afghanistan. So, let's conclude this. We are easily gospel hardened. That is, we are so accustomed to hearing the truth that we quit listening. We quit absorbing. We quit understanding the truth. We hear it, but it's not soaking into our hearts. We, we don't even remember what the preacher's text was last Sunday most of the time, right? Oh, it was good. I don't remember what he preached, but it was good. It's good. We've got to get back to being people of the book, understanding what the Bible teaches, why it's teaching that. The biblical doctrines that seem mundane and almost ritualistic at times are doctrines that incense and infuriate billions of people in this world. If Brother Matt got up here and said, Sunday I'm going to preach on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, some of us would probably go, oh, why didn't he challenge us? Let me tell you, there's a world out there that hasn't heard that and doesn't believe it. Do not take for granted the wonderful opportunities we've had to hear the truth. Pay attention to the gospel. Listen to the truth of God's word. There's an enemy roaming this world who's seeking whom he may devour. And the way he does this so many times is by using religion. Religion is the curse of the world. I wrote an article in the Malvern Daily Record years ago when they asked me as a local pastor to write the devotional for the religious page. And I wrote on religion's the curse of the world. I was never asked to write another article for the Malvern Daily Record. Truth is the answer. Don't be religious. Be right. Eternity is too important. Be right. See Galatians 1, 6 through 9, how we should feel about people who preach another gospel, right? Remember, Christians will die for their faith. Revelation 13, 7, it's going to happen. Some of us may be called upon, but God will give us the grace, right? The most controversial person in the world is Jesus Christ. No doubt about that. He is the difference in the major religions of the world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Jesus is the Lord, and if someone in any religion is wrong about Jesus, it will be an eternal tragedy. That, my friend, is dangerous. Don't play with your eternity. 
believe the Bible, what it says about Jesus Christ, all other books, teachings, or religions are lies. The Bible will teach you how to have eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who loves all men. He loves all men, and he died for all men and rose from the dead so that all men might be saved and have eternal life. Trust Jesus. It is so important. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word and look into things that people in this world believe. And Father, we pray for Muslims that they would come to know the truth in Jesus Christ, that they would come to know that he is God and that God became a man so that he might die on the cross and rise from the dead, that we might be saved. Father, we know this world is full of lies. Things that sound religious and sound good are not. But Father, we pray that you'd give us discernment. You'd give us a clear mind to study your word afresh, to believe you and not to believe the religions of this world. We pray for the lost, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Baptist, whoever they are, Father. Even people who don't even believe you exist, we pray for their salvation. That they would come to know the truth in Jesus Christ and would know you and the one you sent. That they might have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.